for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the Zookeeper's Voice, we have Dr. John Robb, a highly esteemed veterinarian with decades of experience. Dr. John Robb is on a quest to stop the overdosing and over-vaccination of pets by educating pet owners. By titer testing, we can determine immunity and only give pets vaccinations that they do not have immunity to, instead of giving vaccines that have no medical benefit and can injure or kill our pets. Dr. John Robb has held an unwavering commitment to pets over profits, and although he has made a big impact, the journey is far from over. Without further ado, let's go ahead and have a listen to our chat with Dr. John Robb. Today on The Zookeeper's Voice, we have Dr. John Robb. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Danny. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So for those of uh, our listeners who are not as in tune with what's going on in the animal world, first off, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, I'm a veterinarian. I graduated from UC Davis Veterinary School in 1985. And it's been a battle ever since. Um, You know, I've owned and operated four different veterinary facilities. I'm currently in Newtown, Connecticut. But in uh, 2006, I launched a worldwide movement called Protect the Pets. And uh, the reason I launched that movement is because of the the lack of morality in veterinary medicine. Um, There are so many things going on that pet owners need to know about in order to maneuver through the profession and get the best care for their pets. So um, that's what I do. Uh, My love is first and foremost to the pets and, of course, second and foremost to the pet owners. After that, certainly I'm a colleague of veterinarians and uh, I enjoy the comradeship with veterinarians, but I don't believe in uh, the old boy school that I'm going to do what they say just to get along with them. I'm going to do what's best for the pets and the pet owner. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't go well with some vets, because some of the things I say they disagree with, well, then we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But my heart's with the pets. Absolutely. So I'm so excited to have you on today because I've actually been following your journey for quite a bit. Now, can you tell me how Protect the Pets came to be? You know, I found myself trying to just do the best medicine and be a veterinarian that did the best for the pets. And what seemed to be happening was I was constantly being challenged by the state board and by authorities within the within the veterinary profession uh, when I thought I was doing the right thing. In fact, I know I was doing the right thing, but you know, there's a lot that goes on that's about the money and not about the pets. And uh, you know, it's tough because um, it shouldn't be that way. You know, we can all make a very good living making the pet's health the priority and then let the money follow. But it seems that in many instances, my profession, it's about profits first and what's best for the pet second. And that that didn't sit well with me. And uh, my wife and I talked about it. And I got to a point where I just felt like I had 
you know, put put away some some money for retirement. But, uh, you know, I felt like I needed to take that money out and start this movement in order to fulfill my duties as a veterinarian. And that's where the Protect the Pets movement started in 2006. Now, it be, six, it became it kind of jumped to the worldwide stage when the Mars Candy Bar Company terminated me and my franchise in, in uh, 2012. That's when it kind of really kicked up to another notch because uh, they challenged me because I was lowering my volume for smaller dogs. But really what they were doing was they were defranchising as they bought Banfield, about 900 hospitals, about 300 were were uh, franchises. And when they, when they bought, they didn't want, they're a very controlling company, and they didn't want franchises. So they basically had control of medical records, and they threatened the franchisees that they would report different things they found in the records if they didn't basically hand the franchises back, which some of which were their couple million dollars. And so I told them, you know, take a hike, you know, and then they went after my license because I lowered my volume for smaller pets, which, again, most veterinarians that are out there for any length of time do it automatically because they see if they don't, what will happen to these little pets in terms of reaction. So, but when they challenged me and they reported me to the state board, I wouldn't back down. The state board said, take probation, we'll cover this up, we'll make it go away. I said, no, 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 no. Nothing's going away. I have the right to do this. I'm a veterinarian. My oath is to protect that pet. I determine what dosage goes into that pet. Not some vet pharmacy manufacturer, not the state of Connecticut. Nobody can tell a doctor if they know the science to injure their patient. And that started that because I wouldn't back down on that. Um, that got the attention of a lot of people. And that's how this movement kind of kicked up into another gear. Absolutely. Now, for those of uh, our pet owners who are listening, can you kind of explain? I hear you're, you're talking about the volume that's going into these right, pets. Right. So can you break down what, uh, what exactly that means? Well, what's going on in the industry and has been for some time is I call it two things, overdosing and overvaccinating. And I'm talking about the core vaccines, which are the only ones I recommend, which is rabies, distemper, and parvo. Um, you know, just like most of us in this country have all been vaccinated against mumps, measles, and rubella, um, if we didn't have our vaccine history and we wanted to lurk, work at a local hospital, they would have us check a titer. They would simply have us check our blood test for antibodies against mumps, measles, and rubella. <clears throat> and if we had circulating antibodies, we could stop work because they know the measurement of circulating antibodies indicates immunity. Those antibodies were there from the vaccine, and now they circulate, and they would inactivate the virus if we were exposed. So same is true in veterinary medicine with distemper, parvo, and rabies. We can titer test and know that the pets have achieved immunity. And if they've achieved immunity, then giving them a booster vaccine has absolutely no medical benefit, but it can injure or kill that pet, which is called malpractice, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole system that's set up is a farce. It's been going on for a lot of years. Those in authoritative positions know what a titer means, but let's face it, you know, it's the pharmaceutical companies in conjunction with the veterinary establishment bringing in a lot of money and they don't want to let go of that. But we have a lot of sick and injured pets, many bereaved pet owners, and it's really a travesty. And um, we've got to change that. But unfortunately, 
as in many situations, it's going to take a grassroots movements of pet owners who are educated and demand change. And that's the Protect the Pets movement. It's to educate the public so they can drive the change. So that one, you can give a smaller pet less volume and if you can establish a protective titer, and the science is there. The science shows 2005 called uh, a study out of Purdue where 1.2 million pets, and it simply concluded that as you, you know, if you give every pet at one cc, the smaller pets get more reactions. Well, because you're getting overdose. And another study that came out of Kansas State, uh, if you measure the titers as the pets get smaller, the titers go up, we're all getting one cc. So it's very clear. We can lower the volume for smaller pets, get a protective titer, and decrease the risk of a vaccine reaction. And this should be happening. And it is happening because vets are doing it, but they're squirting it out. They're doing this. They're, they're injecting saline. They're doing all kinds of things so they don't injure their pets. But it's all being done in a clandestine ma manner because they don't want to get in trouble. And it, it just shouldn't be this way. Science is science. Let's stop the nonsense. Let's honor the titer. Let's only booster the pets if they need it and not over-vaccinate and overdose the smaller pets. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. Now, you spoke about adverse reactions. So what are adverse reactions that can happen when we are over-vaccinating our pets? Because I believe in one of the videos I watched that you were talking that there are adverse reactions that can happen immediately as well as adverse reactions that can happen over time. Is that correct? And that's correct. And the, the immediate ones, of course, are the worst case scenario, which is the, the anaphylaxis. And this is what happens a lot to smaller pets. If, if, if a veterinarian has 3,000 clients and, you know, 1,000 of those are small pets and they're giving a full CC, at least 10 to 15 times a year, that pet is going to be rushed to the back room to try to get an IV catheter in quickly and get fluid started, epinephrine, steroids in order to save its life, and some will die. So that's the anaphylactic reaction we all know about. Then you got the two to three day, we call it serum sickness, where the pet's going to go home, it's going to vomit, it's going to hide under the bed, it's going to run a fever, and eventually it'll come out of it. So those are the obvious reactions that happen within, let's say, 72 hours. But the less obvious reactions are the, the, the worst, which are the hemolytic anemia. For instance, as an example, hemolytic anemia is a situation where, you know, we, we inject these pets with these vaccines, and anybody who really thinks that the immune system just says, oh, make antibodies against rabies virus and stops there, they just don't get it. There's so much, you know, toxins in these vaccines and the adjuvants, and, uh, and when they get bombarded with antigen after antigen after antigen, the immune system just basically starts making antibodies against our own body tissues. And this was proved, again, in some studies where they had vaccinated dogs, unvaccinated dogs, and showed uh, antibodies being made against collagen, the heart muscle, things like that. So one of the big ones is hemolytic anemia. And this happens temporally in response to vaccination, and they've proven this, and there's a study out that shows that as well. So they begin to break down the red blood. So you go in, you get a shot, and about six weeks later or two months later, you notice your dog's lethargic. You go into the vet, and the red blood cell count, which is usually 45, is down to 15 and they're producing autoantibodies against the red blood cells, and they're breaking them down. It's a life-threatening condition. About 50% of them will die with treatment, okay? So, you know, it's a bad disease, and it's, it's linked to vaccination. Now, it doesn't stop there. I mean, you get tumors at the injection site. Vaccine-associated sarcomas is kind of what blew the lid off 
back in the uh, early 90s because we used to always grab cats by the scruff and give the injection there so you were away from their claws and their teeth. Well, guess what? They started getting tumors in the scruff right above the neck. And then they'd find in the middle of that tumor, they'd find the adjuvant or the aluminum or the viral particles from the vaccine itself. And so we had vaccine-associated sarcomas, which occurs in dogs as well. So these are all things that happen down the road. And I could go on, meningitis, certainly, uh, you know, in rabies, you have the miasm where the, the dogs uh, begin to act uh, afraid or they bite at the floor or they just, it warps their mind because it affects their brain. And so neurologic conditions, seizures, I mean, these vaccines, you just cannot bombard the immune system over and over with these injections and not expect it to do nothing except build antibodies against the virus. It will uh, basically dysfunction and start attacking the body. And then there's also just immunosuppression and then allergies and the like. So the, the vaccinosis is just huge. And of course, it's underreported because the vets don't want to admit that they're giving injections that are causing a problem. So they'll just, I mean, I'll give you an example. I worked at a hospital recently, maybe about a year ago, where a dog, a small dog, was given a, two injections. It went home. It got sick. It was vomiting. It came back in. And the veterinarian, you know, started to talk to the owner that, well, it could be the vaccine, but, you know, maybe he got into something, you know, because he's vomiting. And we got, so, of course, they gave it a shot for the vomiting, but he also gave it a Benadryl injection and steroid injection, which are meant for over-vaccination. So they're saying one thing, but they're treating for the vaccine reaction, which in their heart they know is the problem, but they won't tell the owner that. And then the owners leave kind of thinking, gee, he doesn't think it's a vaccine, but he was fine before he came in earlier today. And they kind of know something's up. So that's kind of what happened when I got on the air and I let pet owners know so many people were validated in terms of, I knew that's what happened. That happened to my dog, but no vets are out there saying it like I did. So now pet owners have a voice and together we're going to drive this change and stop this nonsense. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned allergies. And one thing that I wanted to ask you, and this is actually a personal um, example, my dog Simba, and for those who know me, they know about Simba, they might know about some of the issues he's been having. Um, so he's been having allergy symptoms since August. And he started with a hot spot and um, then became what the dermatologist vet we're seeing right now believes is food allergies and environmental allergies. Well, before this happened, he actually got two Lyme vaccinations and a leptospirosis vaccination. Um, and I have asked about three different vets, could the vaccinations have caused his, um, his allergies? Because he had never had even the slightest hint of allergies up until then. And the answer I've gotten is no. And so I don't know if, you know, that's something that could have happened. Obviously, you're not, you don't have my dog in front of you, but I would just imagine that something having numerous vaccines like that could cause these allergies to pop up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're talking about, see, it's one thing to have, you know, uh, an a pharmaceutical that acts in the GI tract or a pharmaceutical that, you know, produces, you know, penicillin into the bloodstream and these types of things. But these vaccines, they're biologic pharmaceuticals. They're, they're, they, they, they 
affect the immune system. The immune system is the most important system in the body because it controls everything. So you're sitting there injecting something to affect the immune system, but the lie is that it does exactly what we want it to, to do. And that's just not the case. When we inject things to affect the immune system, we will affect it, but it goes haywire. And certainly allergies are one of the big ones that occurs many times. So again, you look at the situation you just described where your dog never had an issue, received these three vaccines, and now has an issue. You've got to have that on the list. So for a veterinarian just to, to just a white array, just to deny that it's even possible is just wrong. Now they could say something like, well, certainly vaccines are meant to stimulate the immune system. And so it's possible that the immune system did go awry in that stimulation, but it's also possible it's something else. That would be a better answer than to immediately, oh, it couldn't be the vaccine. Couldn't be the vaccine. Well, give me a break. You know, <laughs> how can you say that? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And see, this is what's, this is why we have to tell the truth and, and the pet owners have to be the ones to get that truth. And of course, there's so much money being made. They're in total denial because of that. And vets, look, they're scared. The whole situation of veterinary medicine, a lot of these hospitals, their whole income is surrounded by those vaccines. They just couldn't imagine if they weren't there that they would survive. So they're really scared that if they don't have those vaccines, they're going to go under as a hospital. Their business is going to go out. But what they don't, and, and the other problem here that's happened is they've gotten lazy with these vaccines. In other words, it's so easy to come in and charge 30 bucks a pop for a vaccine, do three or four in a heartworm test, some heartworm medicine, go out the door at $300 in 15 minutes and do four or five an hour and make that easy money. And now they're not in the back going, gee, I got a sick dog. I need to do blood work. I need to call a specialist about this blood work. I need to do an additional testing. I need to, you know, they're not working up their cases. And so they're so focused in the front room that these pets are ending up in the back room in cages, sick, and nobody's really paying attention or working them up because they've got easy money coming in. So they've, a lot of vets have gotten lazy. Now I'm not, you know, I always like to say it this way. I'm not pointing my finger at any veterinarian. There's a problem. It's indoctrination at the vet school level. And then when you get out there, it's the pharmaceutical companies coming in the door. It's the easy money. And you kind of get, you know, intoxicated with it and you get, you know, indoctrinated into the system. It's hard to break out. It really is. But when you're seeing what's happening to the pets, you're either going to lie to yourself or you're going to make a change in what you do. I had to make that change. It wasn't easy. It took time to do my own research, but eventually it became very clear what was going on. And I had to drop the vaccines out of my protocols in terms of being a moneymaker in my hospitals. Right now in my new hospital, I vaccinate puppies and kittens and every other animal that's come in, I've tested with titers and none of them need the vaccines. And unfortunately, Lepto and Lyme are vaccines that have very little response. I mean, I could tell you all kinds of stories, but if I call a specialist and I'm concerned about Lyme disease, even if that pet or Lepto, even if that pet's been vaccinated, that doesn't take it off the list. That doesn't take it off the list. Now with rabies, distemper, parvo, it takes it off the list. Meaning if they're vaccinated and they have titers, they're good. Let's talk, it's not any of those diseases, but because these vaccines really don't work, they say, well, it could still be Lyme's. It could still be Lepto because the vaccines just don't work. Right. Now, for Simba, like I I was talking about, I wanted to also mention, and I'm sure that you're not surprised by this, 
All three vets I spoke to actually suggested that he get his revaccination for rabies uh, up in May, I believe, is when it's coming up. Now, from a veterinary perspective, when you want to protect the pets, is that something you would suggest a revaccination or? Yeah, you, you, you hit on really, I call it the rabies dilemma. Okay. And the dilemma is this. Okay. First of all, you ask any of those veterinarians, do you give yourself a rabies shot every three years, every five years, every seven years? And they'll get quiet because every one of those veterinarians are doing titers on themselves and not revaccinating unless they have a low titer, which means less than 0.1. And guess what? My titer's good since 1983. Wow. One rate. Okay. So they know that there's a double standard. They know they wouldn't do to themselves what they're doing to those pets. I had Link Wellborn, who is the head of the vaccine task force, the president of AHA on the stand in a federal case when he, and he was hired as an expert witness against me. And I asked him that question. I said, Dr. Wellborn, do you vaccinate yourself every three years? No. Every five years? No. I said, what do you do? He goes, I check a titer. I said, why do you check a titer? He goes, because I don't want to get sick. What do you mean? Well, if I vaccinate every three years, I'd run the risk of getting sick from the rabies shot. But you go ahead and do it to the pets. And he goes, it's the law. So what he's saying is, it's the law. But he's in a position, head of the vaccine task force, to do something about a bad law that forces pet owners to give injections to their pets that could kill them for no medical reason. So it's a dilemma, though, because it's the law, right? So if you don't vaccinate your pet and you do a titer, granted, you know it doesn't need the vaccine, but you got a law that won't recognize that titer. And this is why we've got five states this year with um, legislation in the legislative bodies um, being debated right now to honor the titer and change the law. But it's tough because, you know, even the good guys are coming against us, you know, meaning the ones we thought were good, because this is such a big thing. But the only thing that they do at the other side of this is the fear tactics, because they don't the science supports what I'm saying. So they never walk in with articles. They just say, oh, if you do what Dr. Rob said, everybody's going to die of rabies. And then the legislators who don't know, they get quiet because they're being told this from the state vet. And, uh, you know, so it's a problem because it's it's so indwelled in the system that it's difficult to break through, but we will break through as long as the pet owners continue to drive the change because they're the ones whose animals are dying. But you got a real problem there because now your pet's already probably having vaccine reactions and anything more that you overdose that immune system with could actually make things much worse. And the rabies is the worst reactor. Out of all vaccines, rabies is number one in terms of the most vaccinosis. Lepto's not far behind. So just so you know, it's a, it's a real problem, and I feel for you, and I feel for every pet owner, and they're dealing with it in many ways. A lot of them are going undercover. Um, they're no longer uh, licensing their dogs, and they're trying to avoid um, the authorities so that they don't have to submit to this law and possibly injure their pets. The other thing, especially with the smaller dogs, because they they what they should do is be able to go to a veterinarian like me who would lower the volume and then check a titer and make sure we achieved immunity, but not overdose the pets. But because they can't find that veterinarian, a lot of uh, small dog owners, they're, they're just not vaccinating at all. So what's going on here is we are actually creating a public health issue because people aren't vaccinating their pets because they don't want to make them sick. And 
So we're actually shooting ourselves in the foot because here's the one thing I want to say. Rabies is a serious disease. Absolutely and it is. These, you know, and, and so I'm 100% in favor of vaccinating against it and protecting our pets and protecting us. But the idea here of just, this is how crazy it is. A one-year vaccine, a three-year vaccine, a five-year vaccine, they're all the same vaccines. All that happens when these vaccines get um, those you know, years attached to it is if they do the clinical trial for the USDA and they stop at three years, in other words, at three years, the dogs were protected, 80% of them from the vaccine, then they'll get a three-year license. They just don't go to four years and five years and six years. Because if they did that, they'd get out there to seven, eight years, and then the vaccine would have to be good for eight years. And guess what? It's it's out the window then. Their money's gone. So they just stop at three and they get their license for three. And then we just go around and say, it's a three-year vaccine. Well, it doesn't stop in that animal at three years. It can go for one, one vaccine has a potential to give lifelong immunity to an animal. But I'm not saying that we should trust that. I'm saying that we should just check the titer and find out. I mean, the whole idea with vaccination is to make sure that it works. And just putting a needle and a substance in a dog doesn't tell you that it worked. In fact, there are non-responders where they've been vaccinated and they don't get a protective titer. So the, the, the government should want the titer done to make sure that, in fact, they've achieved immunity. And then, of course, if they have, they don't need another shot unless that goes below a certain level. And then people would be glad to vaccinate and vaccinate safely. But since we don't have that, we've created a problem here. And it's only going to get bigger because as pet owners know more and more, they're not willing to, to go through with injuring their pet for no reason. And some pets die. I mean, this is so serious. You know, I have to go back and just say, listen, the problem here is my industry has lost compassion for these pets. We all know how we feel when we're sick. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, the world stops, you know, I have a stomach ache. I can't eat. I'm vomiting. I'm tired. I have a headache. I have a fever. To do that to these pets over and over again, it's criminal. Where's our compassion? You know, and then when they die and then the owner finds out that they didn't even need the vaccine, that they could have checked it tighter, they, they, these people, they, they, they have bitter roots. They, they're so sorrowful, but they're, they've been betrayed by the profession that they were supposed to be able to trust. You know, the... In the AVMA, which is the American Veterinary Medical Association, the current leadership keeps saying, how do we get the public trust back? How do we get the public trust back? And they try all these campaigns to make flowery words and all these promises. But you know what? You're not going to get the public trust back when these pet owners are walking into hospitals and being poisoned across this country and then it's denied by the profession. That's the problem. You're not going to get public trust. It's going to continue to erode until we fix this problem. And unfortunately, to date, it's not happening through the normal channels that it should. And that's why the pet owners have to drive the change. And I keep saying that because it's going to take action steps by pet owners who've had enough. And they have to be the ones to walk in the vet hospital and say, listen, I want a tighter. Oh, it's $400. No, I'm not paying $400 for a tighter. Dr. Rob will do it for 50 bucks. Draw the blood, give me the serum. I'm going to check my pet and find out if it needs this. Oh, that's illegal. What's illegal? What's illegal is that you are going against your oath that said that you would put the health of that pet first and you're not doing it. That's what's illegal here. So, you know, it's really 
tough, but the pet owners are the ones who have to, unfortunately, go in there and confront the veterinary establishment with the truth. And they're the ones that have to protect their pets because it's not going to happen from the inside, at least not yet, you know? Absolutely. I'm, and one of the things that has been so scary as a pet owner is watching your dog go from being extremely healthy and having no issues to all of a sudden, anytime you leave them, he's injuring himself. He's, um, you know, he's losing his fur, all these things when up until you had these vaccinations that he was completely healthy. And so that's really terrifying just me personally as an owner. And I don't really talk about it as much on social media, but it has been the focus of a lot of the things that I've been doing right now. It's hard for me to even leave him for too long because we're still trying to get this under control. And to think that the vets, like you said, that I've put my trust into, right, that right. that they're still telling me, no, this is not what's probably causing it. On top of that, you need to get your rabies vaccination. Right. Is it's it blows my mind because I've had my dog for seven years. I would go to the mat for him for anything. Right. And we and you're absolutely right. It's terrifying as a pet owner to think the the vets that we are trusting with our animals are not putting what's best in front of us. That's absolutely terrifying and there needs to be such change. So for people like me and for people like our listeners, those people who have pets, what do you suggest that they do? What is your advice for our listeners right now? Well, I think what they need to do is first of all, get themselves educated so they, they, they know the truth and they understand it. And, um, you know, I do have a website, protectthepets.com, that's completely devoted towards educating pet owners to the truth. And once they understand, and it's a very simple concept, really, that uh, measuring antibodies in the bloodstream following a vaccination can be done, and that's called a titer. And if they have a titer uh, greater than 0.1 for rabies, then they are immune to rabies, okay? That's pretty simple. But once they know that, then they have to take action steps because they've got a bad law in front of them that's going to try to force them to inject that pet even though it doesn't need it. So that's where they have to take action steps in terms of contacting their elected officials and demanding change. Again, on my website, I have a, a letter that breaks all the science down very nicely lets the legislator know what the problem is, and then they can put their story, like your story. You could you could write your legislator, and you could say, look, this was my experience. I got these vaccines. Now my pet has allergies. It never was like that before, and I want change. And so this is what has to happen. Now, the other big thing is to educate other pet owners. Um, when I'm out, you know, taking a hike with my wife and my family on a back road, and there's somebody walks by with a dog, I always stop them, you know, and say, hey, I'm Dr. Rob. Listen, I want to mention, you, do you understand what a titer is? Do you vaccinate? And some do, but probably seven out of ten still have, what's a titer? I have no idea. And I educate them. Really? That's true. You know, and then they now can take an action step. So this is the movement, and this is what we do, because through these action steps and awareness, um, and unfortunately, the ones who are most active within the, mu uh, the movement are the ones who 
have pets that have died or gotten very sick. And it's and so but those that are smart will hear the message, check it out and take action steps before that happens to them. So so that's that's the movement that that I'm running is really it's an educational movement. It's a grassroots movement to get the word out to pet owners so that they can. And and then the other part to it is, you see, I'm getting very busy over here in Newtown, Connecticut. I'm getting a big clientele of, you know, people who are educated and looking for a veterinarian who's not going to injure their pets with over vaccination. So I'm starting to get very busy and I'm grabbing a lot of clients that were going to other hospitals locally, but are no longer going to do that because of their vaccine protocol. So that will drive the change as well. So veterinarians who understand this and are willing to start to do something about it by practicing checking titers and not over vaccinating these pets, they're going to start to attract more and more clients. And that will drive the change because let's face it, when the money's starting to disappear, they're going to change. So that's another way that this movement is, in fact, creating that change. So um, it's all about the money for a lot of a lot of these entities, and that's where you have to hit them, where where they the only thing they understand sometimes, you know. Right, hit them right in the wallet is where it needs that's, to happen. <laughs> that's right. That's and for right. our listeners, I did want to share, and for you also, Dr. Rob, I wanted to share that after I between watching your videos and keeping up with things. I actually did titer my dog, not for rabies yet, but for um, his core vaccinations. And for our listeners, I just want to share with all of you that my, my vet did tell us that he is protected against his vaccines for, I believe she said three years. So I'd never titered him before. Right. Uh, There you go. And I, I wasn't sure if I was just going to be wasting money and needed to get vaccinations anyway, because this is, something that they really don't talk about. They really discourage you from. But I can rest easy knowing that, you know, a titer is hopefully helping extend my pet's life. And so just from me personally, I'm a complete believer in titers um, and everything you're talking about because my dog is living proof that that titers work and right, right. that they can help protect our pets so I do thank you for everything you're doing. You're, if I hadn't seen your videos and seen all the, the messages that you're putting out and protect the pets, I wouldn't be on this journey trying to help my own pet. Right. So I can only imagine how many people you're going to save from heartache by helping oh. them to give the pet, their pets the best care possible. That's a, that's a very good point. We are saving lives every day and you'll never know it because they made a decision not to over vaccinate. And so they just live on, but they would have died. And so, you know, I know that we're saving countless of lives every day as this message get out. So it's not just about changing the law, but it's about saving lives now by, like you said, being educated and getting the titer done. And then you feel very secure knowing your pet is immune and you can stand up to anyone who wants to try to abuse your pet by putting another booster shot in that's not necessary. So that's a great point. And I'm glad that you had that person, not that your pet is sick, but that you now understand why this is so important and, uh, and can share that message through this, through this, uh, this soundbite that we're doing to get out there. So thank you. Absolutely. And one thing that I personally believe, and I feel like you are one of the 
you're one of the strongest advocates, but we have to be the advocates for our pets because they can't speak for themselves. And we're the ones who have to stand up and say, this is what my animal needs. And you're, you're leading the way in terms of that for us. Yeah. Well, I'm always say I'm a pet owner first and a veterinarian second. Okay. So, um, I've had on my own pets vaccine injured by myself when I didn't know better. So, um, I'm with you guys a hundred percent. I always say together and united, right? Because that's what it's going to take. And, uh, we have to put down our differences and we have to work together to get this done. And then on, there's so many other issues, but I'm focused on this issue. I get a lot of questions about a lot of things, but I'm going to stay focused on this until we get it done. I don't want to dilute the message. We need to stop overdosing and over-vaccination of pets. It's such an important message. And Dr. Rob, um, last thing before we let you go today, could you please tell our listeners again how they can support Protect the Pets movements and where they can follow along with this journey that you are bringing us on? Well, you know, the Protect the Pets movement has a lot of um, different channels. And one of the other channels I'm doing is to put those Protect the Pets hospitals out there. The Newtown Hospital I recently opened is going to be the first of many, and we're developing the protocols to uh, start to get these hospitals out there for veterinarians who want to practice uh, high quality, safe, and, and uh, you know, the, the medicine the way it should be done. So um, certainly, you know, if people want to donate, that's fine. I'm not a hard push on it, but you can go on my website and you can donate because this is really um, a labor of love for me, and it's and I'm just a little guy, meaning, you know, I'm a little family guy here in Connecticut. I don't have a lot of money. I never did, and I never will, but what I do have is a love for these pets, and with the time I have remaining in my life, and I'm, you know, I'm 62, so I've got a few years to go, but, you know, I'm in, into sort of the twilight here. I'm going to make a difference, you know. I'm going to leave a legacy uh, as a veterinarian who stood by his oath and and, and uh, you know, brought change into a profession that needed it. So certainly you can donate or you can just become active. And uh, again, on the site, you can, there's ways to print flyers that you can take out. You can order buttons, bumper stickers, you know, any way that we can get the word out and get other people educated. You save lives now and then drive the change for the future. So that's how people can help. And, uh, you know, um, I'm glad that, that you're giving me the opportunity to get the word. Every channel like this is good for me. Every, if somebody listens to this and they're educated and we save one life, then this, then this was worth doing this program. That's how I look at it. One, one, one pet at a time, you know? One pet at a time. Absolutely. Now, are you on any social media? Where can they find you on social media? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm on Facebook. I mean, that's my main thing. I have Dr. John Robb. Um, protect the pets is kind of the group Facebook site. And then John Rob is up there too, but yeah. Um, Dr. John Rob, if they just Facebook that, um, they can, they can, uh, like it and they can follow it. And, and I, you know, I, I'm really kind of, I let it flow. So all of a sudden it starts to come into my heart that I need to say something. Then I'll just make a, make a video, do a Facebook live and just get the word out. So that's, I mean, I'm a, you know, I feel like, you know, I can say this, I'm a man of faith, you know, I'm a Christian man, um, and uh, I believe that, for me, this is a spiritual journey, it's led by God, I'm not in charge, but I'm fulfilling a destiny that was meant for me before I was born, that's how I look at it, so when I feel in my heart it's time for me to do something, I feel like I'm just being obedient and doing what I'm supposed to do, which is to, uh, you know, I've been given gifts, uh, 
I, that's how I look at it. I'm, I'm humble in terms of being blessed to have these gifts. And uh, it hasn't been an easy journey because I've had to, you know, risk everything at times, even my license in order to keep going and not knowing if I keep it or not. But, you know, I think I think that's why pet owners bond with me because they say, you know, this guy's for real. You know, he's not out there making millions of bucks and he put his license on the line. He's he believes in my pet and that's why people follow me. So um, and that's a true statement. And uh, but I love each and every one of you. <laughs> you know, I get poor people come in. I last night I treated a rooster. You know, it came in. <laughs> Lady wow. called up and said, "My rooster, so he can't breathe." I said, "Bring him right down." And it was literally purple, and it was gasping for breath. We got him in the oxygen cage, and we got him revived. He turned out to have gape worms, which is a type of worm that can be in the trachea, and uh, and we treated it and. He's already doing better. He's already home. So, you know, and she didn't have any money. So, you know, I was like, okay, hundred bucks, let's go forward and we'll take care of this rooster. And, you know, I'm kind of like that. I don't like to quote fees. You know, if somebody's there and they need me, if you can pay, pay, if you can't, we'll figure it out. But everybody's got to have some room in there for a heart, for the pet that's in front of you and not say, gee, you don't have $3,000. I'm going to set this pet out to die. I don't get that. <laughs> I just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's what happens now in my profession is horrible. You know, now again, if you come in and you got, if you're making plenty of money, then pay the bill and stop, you know, complaining about it. But if you don't have much, you know, let's see what we can do, you know, and it's amazing because if you practice that way, you'll never have a day without your door opening and people coming in and you'll, you'll make a very good living, but you can also look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, my heart's in the right place and I'm making a difference. So that's who I am. And, uh, you know, if people want to, you're in Connecticut, I'm in Newtown, Connecticut. Certainly you can come see me there um, and uh, and we'll work on your pet. So I hope I, I've answered your question and given pet owners the opportunity to work with me in a number of different capacities. Absolutely. And I, Dr. Rob, I really just want to thank you for what you're doing for not only present animals, but for the future of all right. animals that any of us will ever own, because you are making such a huge difference. And so I just want to thank you for not only that, um, but also for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice tonight and sharing your message. And Danny, thank you for having me. And I, I hope the message goes far and wide and you continue to, to get other topics discussed that save the lives of these precious pets. Thank you so much, Dr. Rob. All right. You take care now. You too. Talking to Dr. Rob was such a personal topic for me. It really was. And one thing that I wanted to let our listeners know was one of the reasons that I decided to titer Simba, we decided to titer Simba, was because of his video that went viral, Mm -hmm. of him using his voice, of his decades of experience and saying, we need to honor the titer. Now, even though he was talking about the rabies titer, when I got to go look and realize my 18-pound dog doesn't need a vaccination every single year or even every three years, that's part of what led us down this journey. So Dr. Rob, I, I have to thank for really opening my eyes and ears even before we got to sit down and talk to him today. Sure, that there is an alternative out there or seems to be an alternative out there. Yeah, definitely. There's alternatives, there's information. And one thing that we need to remember is that we're advocates for our pets. Sure. 
with Simba, one of the things that we have been experiencing for the last seven or eight months is when after he got those vaccinations, those extra vaccinations, the two Lyme and the Lepto, is when all of this started. And even after he got sick and had that hot spot, we had a veterinarian who said that he should get that vaccination. And we listened and we gave him that vaccination. Uh-huh. And here we are eight months later. Yeah, we're, we're still we're going still through this. still dealing with it. Yeah. And even now, he's got that rabies vaccination, his three-year rabies vaccination coming up. And we're getting told still by vets that he needs to get vaccinated regardless of the fact that he is still not back to being well or being 100%. Right. And I don't want anybody to think that he's not a healthy, happy pet. He's just not back to where he was prior to all of this happening. Right. It's just, it's definitely just a phase. I mean, this this really just started happening middle of the summer last year. Mm-hmm. And in his prior six and a half years, nothing like this was happening. Definitely. So it's definitely a phase, and we're looking to get out of this phase as soon as possible, however we need to do it. Yeah, and nothing's worse than feeling like every time you walk out of the house that your animal is going to injure themselves, and you can't figure out why. Right. Nothing is more stressful than that in terms of, like, my dog. It takes over your life. Yeah. You know, and, and the craziest part is that after Simba had the first instance with the major hotspot, right. we went away for four days the next day. That was the worst. And you were just a wreck. Yeah. Just like constantly watching him on the camera, making sure that he was okay. You know, it's like it, it, it takes over our lives, you know. Like we haven't really gone away on vacation or anything like that since then. You know, our, our little guy, like... You know, we just want to make sure he's okay and we want to get through this. And, and, and it is scary when you can't watch him every five seconds to make sure that he's not scratching his neck or scratching some other part of his body and causing another hot spot. Right. So that's why we're doing this. You know, we're, that's that's why we reached out to Dr. Rob. And Danny said we watched that video in the courtroom where he is he is preaching. He yeah. is <laughs> preaching to the choir. Yeah. And, and letting those people know that, I'm a veterinarian. I'm smarter than you. I have the science. I Yeah. I have everything. I have all these things to back up what I'm saying. And you're just a congresswoman or whatever. You don't understand what I see every day. Correct. I put pets down. Right. I deal with pet tragedies. Right. You're here just to listen to what I have to say. And I want you to take it seriously. And right. that's why, and, and Dr. Rob's passion in that video is what made it go viral. Yeah, and for so many reasons. And again, there's no way of knowing that the vaccinations that Simba got are exactly why we're here. But until that happened... It certainly feels that way. Yeah, it really does. And It doesn't feel like a coincidence. I do want everybody listening to understand that we are not anti-vaccination right in any way no god no our whole thing is we want to understand and learn more 
so that our little guy, Simba, who's 18 pounds, can live out his full life healthy and happy. And from what we've learned, doing a titer, that he's already protected against these things. There's no reason to be putting more vaccinations into his body. Why chance putting all that stuff in his body again and risking more health? Right. And there's science behind it. Right. And regardless... if we have to do it, we'll do it. We're not, like Danny said, we're not anti-vaccinations. Right. But if we don't need to, why should we? Right. Especially if our 18-pound Cocker Spaniel Chihuahua mix is getting at the same vaccination. As this 80-pound dog across the street. Right. The Great Dane walking down the street. They, they're getting the exact same thing. And... Is Simba not getting enough or is Simba getting too much or is the Great Dane not getting enough? Right. So Dr. Rob is really putting education out there and we've already seen that the science works. We've taken a titer for his core vaccinations and until he's seven right now, he will not need vaccinations until he's about 10 years old, except for the rabies. That's the one thing that we're actually going to go up to Connecticut and visit Dr. Rob about. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, we loved having Dr. Rob sure did. on he, our show. It was, it, was definitely, um, it was definitely a pleasure to have him on the program. And I'm so excited to see what kind of an impact he continues to make in the life of all of our animals. We wanted to say thank you to Dr. Rob for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today. And for those of you listening, please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time. Bye.